1: physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode.
0: And I went over to his house and he just like took me and dragged me across his apartment, was just starting to hit me. He took my phone And he took, smashed it into pieces on the ground. And I started running to my car and he started chasing after me. And he started kicking the headlights of my car. And I just remember like getting away, going back to my house and like just crying to my roommates, like explaining that this happened. And that was like the start to all the physical stuff.
2: Hi, survivors. I'm Tara Newell.
1: And I'm Collier Landry. And this is... The survivor squad podcast
2: yay another episode
1: another episode and this one you know this young lady's story was really hard for me i have a real problem with women who you know are in abusive relationships and it gets flipped around on them and it's um you know it's like some of the stuff that i just i just couldn't believe it but then i could believe it and it's just very sad
2: it's incredibly sad and when I saw her story on Instagram yeah because I had mutual blogger friends with her mm-hmm. and I saw these photos and I was just like yeah. I need to talk to her I need to be her friend I need to at least give her support or something because sure being a survivor it's so lonely at times
1: absolutely I, I completely understand uh, but on a, on a positive note we've been doing our podcasting course now for We're into three or four weeks now?
2: Oh, yes. No. And this week is supposed to be the Ethical True Crime Research Week.
1: Yes. With Haley Gray, you're going to learn all about FOIA requests and all kinds of fun stuff. So having somebody like Haley do your research is a great way as she gives some great tips on how to appropriately do research and get it from like real sources because they're out there. There are real sources out there. You just have to know how to wade through all the bullshit because... There's so many online media sources and cesspools of information that you don't know what is what. So she helps us really clear the waters.
2: Yeah, no. And when other creators talk about certain people, it's like the game of telephone a lot of the times. 100%. You just got to get the facts straight, you got to get everything down. And I like that you brought up your YouTube because I feel like people should also check that out if they're needing an extra itch of you. <laughs>
1: The Call Your Landry Show podcast is exclusively on YouTube. The video version is on YouTube. And uh, you guys should check out my channel, it's growing. I've got like 37,000 subscribers now, it's great.
2: I love that, yeah, no. Yeah,
1: it's growing away. It's
2: great to have other content out there because when you're focusing on one thing like survivors all the time, you tend to go down a dark hole in a sense because the trauma is heavy.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, as I say in the in the show, I'm here to give my my opinion on true crime, uh, mental health, and popular society and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor, <laughs> because you know, <laughs> when your dad kills your mom. You got to live life and get through the hard times, and the best way to do that is to have a sense of humor. You know, even though it's dark, Sm- grin and bear it, and smile, and you know.
2: Is it around the anniversary of the time that they found her and everything?
1: It, it is it is very much yes
2: do you feel effects from that as well right now?
1: I do I do I haven't been this sad in quite a long time but I don't want to get into that but yes, it reminds me a lot of when they said to me Lieutenant Messmore found your mom Collier and and then eternal pause and she was dead.
2: <sighs> I'm so sorry.
1: It's been rough lately so but uh, hey I'm getting through it so
2: well let's talk about Brianna in this episode. What she went through.
1: Yeah, it's a harrowing story, but you know, she was able to come out the other side. But uh, let's get into her story.
2: Yeah, let's get into it.
0: Then the police go, and don't you also have a warrant out for your arrest? And I was like, I don't know. You tell me. And they were like, yeah, we checked our system, and you do have a warrant for the arrest. So we're going to be arresting you tonight. And I found out I was charged for the July incident, aggravated assault for strangulation. And then they charged me that night in October, For an aggravated assault for strangulation. So I had got two felony charges. While he was outside watching football on his phone. And they were laughing. Joking around. And they ended up releasing him. And he went back out on Broadway. To drink more. Wow. Yeah.
1: I take it he didn't bail you out.
0: No. So and then here's the crazy thing. I'm like literally fucking at this point I'm in the back of the cop car because I'm handcuffed and I just remember like I just I just screamed like I couldn't I couldn't believe that I called the police for the first time for all these abuse incidents and I was the one covered in blood they let me you know dab up a little bit clean up the blood and I was going to jail for this like Wow. And I started kicking the back of his cop car. I was screaming, and he was like, "I would stop screaming if I were you, because like we could charge you again for like acting like that." And I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I like I literally thought I was like living in a movie. Like,
1: yeah, but this is how this starts. This is how the spiral starts for people. Yeah, because they just are furious that they're in this position. How did? So when they take you to the station, I mean, I'm assuming they gave you an X-ray or they or they took. did they have to take you to the hospital? How do they explain that you're.
0: So then it gets crazy. okay. so I I've never been to jail. I went to like the drunk tank like once in college. But like, you know, I'm like handcuffed. They open up the doors of the jail and there's cameras like in my face. Cameras. They were filming a documentary, but like, I've seen 60 days in, like, I know what that, have you guys seen 60 days in on Netflix?
1: Yeah. 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 So
0: they were filming 60 days in and I was literally coming into jail with my face, like swelling up with cameras on me. They're documenting me like getting my fingerprints, all of that. I ended up not signing the waiver to be on the show, by the way. Okay, I was like, this ends up on TV now? Yeah. So like then an old guy comes over to me, like with my mashed up face. He's like, So I write here that um you got arrested for domestic assault. And but looking at your face, it doesn't really look like that could be true. Like you should sign these waivers, like we would love to like document your jail process and your story. And I literally turned to him and I was like, get the fuck away from me. Like <laughs> Get away from me. Get away from me. But no, I didn't end up getting any x-rays with with them, the jail at least. I had to be in jail for either 12 to 14 hours, but they had to check on me every hour because I had a concussion and I was like so nauseous.
1: But how do they explain the concussion? Yeah. That's what I (laughs) don't... That's what I'm trying to get at. If they're checking you for a concussion, how did you get the concussion?
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, they don't care. I was in jail. Like, so they're like, you have a concussion. Like, we'll just check on you every hour. And I just remember sitting there for hours and hours. And this lady next to me on meth was just like talking to herself and then looked at me and was like, girl, your face is messed up. And I was like, I I can feel it. So I ended up walking by like, one of the two way windows. And I just saw like, my eye was just forming into like this huge black eye. And like the whole side of my face was just swelling so bad. But like, I'm from California, like I said, so the only phone number I memorized is like my mom. So I called her and this whole thing in Tennessee, you can't have someone out of state bail you like just some bunch of bull crap. Um, I knew my ex's phone number. So I called him and like, he was drunk on Broadway, ignoring my calls, like girls were with him in the background. And yeah, so I ended up paying $3,000 to bail myself out of jail. So I didn't have to go into like the actual jail, jail and wear a jumpsuit and everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, They released me. And the only person I knew to come pick me up was my ex. So he picked me up. I was crying and he looked at me and said, you did this to yourself and said, I'm going to the Titans game. I'm dropping you off. And like, Again, another, like, disbelief situation that this guy who claims to, like, love me and be in a relationship with me and, like, he can't even look at me, what he did to my face and at least, like, apologize for what he did. And he didn't even care at all. He went drinking at a football game, you know? Yeah. And then... That from there, I looked in the mirror and I was like, "I need to like go to hospital." Thank God, I had my state job at the time. I had great insurance. I went um, to one urgent care, and she looked at me and she was like, "This is from a domestic abuse, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was just crying, like I didn't know how to handle this situation. And she was like, "You should go to the emergency room so they can document it and like take." like good x-rays of your face so I ended up going out of urgent care went to an emergency room and they were like your occipital bone is fractured into parts like he like broke your bones and they were like they were scared to like release me back to my environment because like I didn't know what to do and like the doctors didn't really know what to do because, like, I'm an adult; I can make my own decisions. You know, it's not like a child where they would like keep me at the hospital and have people like come and help me. And just so many emotions like took over me of like disbelief, shame, guilt, sadness, like anger that I was dealing with all of this and. I went back home and just cried. I talked with my mom and of course, you know, I called a couple of friends and told them what happened. And they're all telling me like, you need to leave. You need to leave. And I was just like, I don't know where to go. Like I had a couple of friends be like, you could stay with me, like stay here. Like I had two cats, you know, and I ended up calling a domestic abuse hotline so I can like get counseling or at least some type of guidance to help guide me in the right direction of like what I should do and what's crazy about that is because on paper I was the bad person like the assaulter that like they couldn't give me free services like for counseling or like guidance But then luckily, like I was sitting in the lobby and like some lady saw me and she was like, I'm going to figure out like how to help you because I know there's like more to this story than like what it's stating here on paper. So I'm like so grateful for like this couple people along the way that like helped guide me because like even after that, like my story gets crazier with like the media and like I ended up going to the police station to file complaint against the police officers. Cause I was like, this isn't right. Like I know in domestic violence situations, a lot of the time both parties are arrested. If like they can't come to a conclusion of what happened. But I was like, I have proof that he broke my bones that like that he gave me a concussion and like police officers saw like he had no injuries to him. Like, Something is wrong here, you know.
1: Can I also just point out because you haven't mentioned it, what what were you doing for a living exactly for our audience?
0: I was working for the Department of Children's Services, so um, I worked with a bunch of families. I put kids into foster hair, foster care. I would go and testify.
1: Against potentially domestic abuse situations?
0: Oh, yeah. I would help other women in domestic violence relationships, like help them find shelters, like get them resources. And so, yeah, like I'm very aware of like how the police system works, how the court system works, like how to handle situations like that. And all the lieutenant did was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. I'll follow up with you. And of course, like, I got no follow up. Wow. I feel
2: like in those cases, in every case, you always have to call and be like, hey, what's going on with the case? What's going on with the case? And you have to hassle them and bug them to the point where it gets annoying and for people to respond.
0: Yeah. And then I ended up literally walking out of the police station. I get an Instagram notification. And it's from Scoop Nashville, which for people who aren't familiar is a media page who post people's mugshots
1: mm, and police reports. Great.
0: And at the time they had like 60,000 followers. I don't know what they have now because I have them blocked, but the message said, Hey, I'm about to post your mugshot online. Do you have anything to say about what happened to you? So again, like, Literally, like, this is how, like, I was, like, feeling in life. Of course. Like, the epitome of, like, I have nothing to live for anymore. And I remember, like, on that drive home, I was just thinking... I actually had no thoughts. I My brain was completely blank. And I just... I honestly wanted to crash my car and, like, try and hurt myself. And then, like, the one like little common sense in my brain was like, don't do that. Like what if you don't die and you just told your car and that's another problem. What if you like hurt somebody else? Like all that. So I ended up going back and forth with scoop Nashville. I was like, please do not post my mugshot. I'm in a very dangerous domestic abuse relationship. I'm still living at home with this person. I'm trying to figure out how to like get out of it. Um, one attorney that I worked with in DCS, like I started texting him for advice and he referred me to his friend who's um, a domestic violence attorney. So I ended up getting a, an attorney pretty quick because I knew like this situation, I was gonna need outside lawyer help. So I mentioned like I had an attorney and all this. And of course they used my messages to taunt the story, posted it on Instagram, blurred my face out and was like, are you guys ready for this? Guess which blogger in Nashville just got arrested for DCS. Oh, does someone want to tell her that having an attorney doesn't work here? Like, and everyone's just laughing, like completely laughing in the comments. And so as I'm paying more money, you know, I just paid $3,000 to get out of jail. I was paying more money for an attorney. I had two felony charges and now a story was about to go public about me getting arrested. So it ended up getting published. And yeah, that's where even more things went downhill for me.
2: Wow. Wow. Well, I hope I'm I'm happy. Like, you know, there's a little bit of like, not a happy ending, but like, there's a sense of peace now, which I'm sure we'll get to later where you know you have a great life in a sense but you're still dealing with this and it's still ongoing and these type of people are still gonna keep going at it so
0: yeah it's it's just crazy because like yes I worked in DCS and I helped other women in domestic violence relationships and like being naive in a way like I thought it was a lot easier for women to leave. I didn't understand like I'm giving them these resources and like helping them like why wouldn't they leave and then now going through it and like just saying how you can be so manipulated and controlled and scared.
1: And unsupported by your law enforcement and the people that are supposed to be protecting you.
0: And so, you know, and then it's so personal, like personable and like the hardest thing that I have ever gone through in my, and then this media site posted, post my mugshot. And then my mugshot, as you guys saw, like you can see my black eye forming my fat lip and I have dry blood in my hair. Like it's a, it's a horrible picture to look at.
1: It's horrible.
0: And all the all the trolls coming in, you know, in the comments, like, oh, she deserved it, laughing, like, oh, she's not gonna be working for DCS much longer. Oh, I bet she abuses children too. And so that's how my work got involved because people were tagging like the state of Tennessee, Department of Children's Services, saying like I could be a child abuser in there. And then so I went on investigation for my job. And of course, they didn't fire me directly from this article, they had to say like, that I didn't report my arrest within 24 hours, even though I did report it to a supervisor, it wasn't the right supervisor. Um, and I didn't report making secondary income because I was a blogger. But then when I got my like, my package, that's said they were firing me. I opened the pages and it stated the scoop Nashville article, the allegations, the bad press of the department. And I literally remember sitting there with the, with the lady. And I was like, like just in shock. I was like, I was one of the best workers at DCS. I put my life for those kids and for those families. I worked countless countless overtime hours I stayed at hospitals with kids who try to harm themselves I stayed the night with kids at office at our office when we couldn't find a foster home for them I drove them across state get putting them and like safe foster homes at three in the morning and you're gonna sit here and fire me from my job while I have two felonies so I'm not gonna be able to get another job anytime soon because of what people are saying on an article when you know that's not my character. And I was then working four different counties because in DCS people quit all the time, but I was willing to go and help four different counties. Like I felt so disrespected. Like I wanted to go off on that lady so bad. And I was just like, it's a shame that you're firing me. Like this is going to be one of the biggest mistakes. Like you you've ever made. And I'm going to tell my story one day and I'm going to tell everyone about what you did to me and how disrespectful it is just to fire me based off like these comments and not like helping me with my situation. And she's like, okay, that's fine. And then I signed the papers and then, and then left. And my attorney was just like, well, he was like, we'll figure it out. Like if you even have to come work for me, like I'm not going to just leave you stranded, like with no income. Because then again, you know, like I said, I had two felonies. I was still living with this guy. Like everything in my life was just falling apart. Absolutely falling apart. So, and then three days after that, I'm laying in bed And so, of course, you know, everyone in Nashville is finding out about this. And then three days later, I wake up and I have a lot of text messages and it's people in California that I know. And they're like, have you been on Snapchat? And I'm like, I don't I don't use Snapchat anymore. Like what's on there? And they're like the Daily Mail made an article about you. And I was like, what? And people were sending me the screenshots and, like, the story. And, again, boyfriend abuser, DCS worker, national blogger, arrested boozy night for assaulting boyfriend. And I was just like, how is nobody believing me right now? Like, it was just – it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible.
2: Wow. I'm so sorry, it's just the media turns these stories and these traumas into like clickbaits and like titles to gain attention. And then it turns around the narrative that should be
0: told. I don't know. Like I'm still like out of a loss for words. I didn't know what to do. And like this guy, like that, my ex that I was with is just laughing at me. In the background, like they're never gonna believe you. Like, see, you're the crazy one. I've been trying to tell you you're the crazy one. Like you're the one with the felonies, not me. Like you're the one that needs help. And so, you know, I'm I'm literally sitting there at that point. I'm like, Maybe I am crazy because no no one is believing me, except, you know, of course, like my family and like my close friends, and you know, I ended up getting a lot of supportive messages on Instagram, but from people that were already following me, like there, there there's something wrong to this narrative. Like something's going on. And I just didn't want to talk to anybody about it because like, what was the point? Like no one was believing what I had to say. And so, yeah, I was just stuck in a horrible situation for, for a few months.
1: So what was the final sort of the nadir of,
0: so in between that, I mean, it was like co- the abuse was more and more constant. I had been going to, um, counseling for domestic violence and I was starting to make a plan with my counselor about like how to leave effectively. And I just got to the point, in, I just got to the point where I just didn't care what my ex did because he would threaten me all the time and be like, I'm going to call the police and say that you hit me and that's a violation of your bond. So they're going to arrest you.
1: So he was still abusing you after this and you were still in the relationship living with him Yeah, and, and he was taunting you the whole time.
0: Yeah. He was threatening me. Like if you leave me,
1: if you leave, if me, if
0: you go to the police and say that I'm abusing you, all this stuff, like I'm going to call them and said, you assaulted me, which is a violation of your bond. And they can come pick you up. So like I was scared and I was telling my counselor this. And so she was helping me come up with a plan on like how to leave. And I didn't really want to leave my house because like that was like the one thing I had left. Like he had taken so much away from me and I loved the house that I lived in. Like it was mostly all my furniture. I had two cats. Like I didn't want to leave. And as much as people were telling me to like go to a domestic violence shelter, like I was just very set on he cannot take the last thing away from me type of thing. But anyways, um I was with him, but I was kind of just like playing along until I could find like a safe way out. But obviously this created like t- toxicity and I ended up like, trying to commit suicide and I was just not at a great place mentally. And what it took was new year's Eve of 2021. He had made a comment, like you should have just killed yourself. Like, why don't you go find a rope and try and hang yourself again? And I think I had built up a little bit more courage going to counseling weekly, That I was just like, that's the comment i needed to hear. I'm done. I don't care about the threats. I don't care if he's going to call the police and say i hit him like i'll go to jail. I don't care. Take me away from this guy. I'm done. And so i start i started not giving into his threats. I was like, "Please call them. I'm I will tell them. I'm going to file all this stuff against you. I don't care. Call the police, whatever." And i think he saw that i like wasn't falling for his tactics anymore that somehow he agreed to like move out and he agreed to, because like,
1: he was going to lose you. He was going to, yeah. because if you, if the police ended up taking you, yeah, then he wouldn't have that person to abuse anymore. So he, it takes away his toy. Yeah. So I feel like it's this reverse psychology. It's psychotic yeah. to yeah, begin with, that, that you have to play this game, but it's, this is the thing is that you, you ended up you by taking that power from him, Cause he really wasn't going to do that. Cause then he would have nothing to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we came to this agreement that he was going to give me money for half the bail and half the attorney for not saying that he's abusing me. And at the time, you know, I didn't have a job. I was like, I will take, I will take your money. Fine. Just put like, get out of my life. I will take half your money, whatever. So he ended up abusing me up to the point of even moving it, moving him out. Like he forced me to move him out on a cold, snowy day in Nashville, was taking the Wi-Fi cable modem, choking me like the situations got very scary and he ended up spitting in the money, throwing it at me, like just treated me like complete trash. But, um, the first weekend of February, he finally moved out of my house. And like, I remember leaving the apartment that I was forced to move him in. And like, I remember calling my mom, just crying, like, like we did it. Like, it was just like the biggest sigh of relief. And my mom was like, I will help you pay for whatever rent, like whatever you need, I will help you. And like, that happened on a Friday. And I remember going out with friends and it was so fun and went out on Saturday. But the thing is, is as soon as I left, like the text started coming in, like, I love you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. Like, I miss you already. I want you back. Which then a few hours later turned into, you're a fucking slut. Like, I hate you. Um, you're disgusting. Good thing. I know where you live continued into the next day. Um, good thing. I know how to get into the back door, uh, like just threats, threats, threats. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And then Sunday, that Sunday, that weekend, he broke into my house and, I can't say much because I'm in a current court situation with that right now, but I almost lost my life that day and the situation that happened, he got five charges from it. Three of them are felonies and two are misdemeanors. And he was just recently indicted on those charges. So another annoying thing is how long the court system takes. But yeah, so that's currently fast forward to where I am now is dealing with the court situation of what happened to me in February of last year.
2: Okay. Yeah. And now what does life look like for you
0: aside from that situation? So I'm not in Nashville anymore. I kind of realized being there, it was like a constant trigger because, um, he was still out there. Like he ended up, uh, getting arrested for what happened to me. The police couldn't find him for a few months. And he's out on bail right now. And so I would just be in Nashville and just every place, like every truck, every certain sound just like would trigger me at certain episodes. And um, my boyfriend that I'm with now, he ended up getting a job in East Tennessee. And I was like, you know, I don't really want to leave Nashville because it has like such great opportunities. Like my friends are there. Um, but I like just took it as a sign. Like maybe I just like need to get away and like get a fresh start from all that and like really clear my head and work on my own mental health. Cause I was still going through all the repercussions of it, especially going through a court system and like having to go to court and like testify and talk about things that happened a year ago or you know like even doing this like I wouldn't even be able to do this podcast because I would just like be crying for like weeks on end you know like I'm so much mentally stronger now and even by like sharing my story helps me in a way because I know that I've helped other women already with the situations that they've gone through and people have messaged me like thanking them because they were able to leave their abuse situation because of what I said, which makes me happy. Like I, I heard on a podcast one day it was like as silly as it seems like don't think of your trauma as something negative, use it as like a lived experience to turn something into a positive. And I remember hearing that and I was like, that's what I needed to hear to like move on, you know? Well, I think
2: that's beautiful because that's what we all are kind of doing in moving forward with our trauma is having a message. And what you said about having women message you, that's what I have each day. And Collier has that as well. So, so thankful for that.
0: Yeah. But, it, like, even still, so, like, when my scene survivor story came out, of course, there's like a few trolls on there saying whatever, but like, one woman commented on it and was like i don't feel bad for you like i'm a domestic abuse survivor also but like i know the signs and i left immediately so like you deserve what happened to you and i was like that's that's so sad for me to hear especially a woman who's identifying as like a domestic abuse survivor like i'm i'm really happy that you were able to leave but I was not able to leave right away. Like, I wish I could have because it would have prevented all these crazy things in my life. But like, that's what I'm trying to do by telling my story is like explaining what happened to me. So someone else can like, listen to that and be like, wait, maybe I am being controlled by my partner. Maybe I am being manipulated. Like, I don't deserve this. Maybe I should like get outside help counseling. Maybe I should go to a shelter, or stay at a friend's house and not be ashamed of that. So bless that person's heart. But yeah, there's always going to be trolls, you know?
1: Yes, so. there are unfortunately troll. Tara gets a lot of those too. And it's mostly, yeah. you know, unfortunately it's, it's mostly, I, I believe women that do it. You guys excoriate one another relentlessly over things like this and um
2: you guys you guys
1: you girls you girls you know what i mean
0: <laughs> 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 you know, but you but it's
1: but it's very true it's it's there it's you know it that's where i i don't i don't understand it it's vicious it's not, it's evil it's heartless yeah. yeah
0: but like even there was guys commenting on it and they're like I don't believe this story. Like, how can you get arrested with all that? Like, he must have had marks on him. I'm like, I know this sounds crazy, but like, this is what happened to me. So like on that side of things, like the police officers didn't do their job in that situation. So like the police officers need more education and domestic violence as well.
1: Well, they did part of their job. They did their part with the warrant. Yeah. They didn't do the part of the common sense thing that goes, he looks like that. She looks like yeah. that. That's something doesn't add up here. Yeah. And I think they took that warrant thing and, and went, it's very different in California, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's so different. <laughs> and like, I would even have like DCS cases where they still have pending DCS ca- cases in California from years and years ago. And like in Tennessee, like it's just different. Like they just, didn't i don't i don't want to say they didn't care because i don't know the police officers but like they were either tired and didn't want to deal with the situation they had a bias against women or they didn't have the proper training i don't know but like something needs to be fixed where i live and i'm sure in other parts of the country as well
2: yeah Well, I have a feeling one day you'll change that or be
0: a part of changing something like that. I hope so. That's like my number one goal is like if I can just like at least put something into effect, um, that will make me really happy. Just anything I can do to help other people. That's all I really care
1: Sharing your story is raising awareness and that's such a key thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today. I feel like this is the perfect note to wrap up on. Where mm-hmm. can we find you on social media, everything, and support you?
0: Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is Travel with Breezy with two Y's. Uh, so yeah, you can follow me along there. I post like fun travel stuff, lifestyle stuff, but I also advocate on my social media, just like overall mental health and physical wellness as well.
1: We will put the notes to links to Brianna's social media and websites and things of that nature in the show notes of today's episode. Brianna, you know, Tara and I always talk and we always say we're all a part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of, but Mm -hmm. we're all a part of the survivor squad. yes (laughs) Yes, brianna maloney. <laughs> yes yes brianna maloney thank you so much for joining the program and sharing your story
0: thank you so much i really appreciate you guys having me on today thank you
1: it's so crazy to me how when she's sitting in the back of the police car and he's out talking and joking with the cop i mean i just I,
2: I, good old boys club
1: you know i mean I, I just i like i said i have a real problem with people who have you know, guys who have violence against women and and all of that it's just it's just so unnecessary and, you know I agree my father was very violent and you know you've you've lived through it you know and um sometimes they just seem to like not get the justice that they deserve
2: yeah 100% and people don't know that when you're hit it stays with you it lives in your body and sure. literally she could be in a relationship and a guy could literally touch her shoulder
1: mm mm-hmm. mhm
2: And she could have a trigger from that. And I'm not saying that that's her personal trigger. I'm just saying that from my standpoint.
1: Sure, of course.
2: And trauma is always something to be worked on every day. And I can't even imagine what it was like to lose her job over it.
1: And then having to just relocate. And just saying, screw it. I got to just relocate.
2: And I'm happy she's speaking and sharing her story now.
1: And she's doing the best she can with what she's got. And she's moving on and leading a positive life and being an example for others. And that's a fantastic, a fantastic thing. So we're we're very proud of the work that Bree has done. You can check out Bree's Instagram at Travel with Breezy. And we will have links to all of Bree's stuff in the show notes of today's episode. But um, Tara, our true crime podcasting course is going well. My LASIK is still healing, but I'm still, I can still see. I keep wondering if I'm going to wake up one day and it's like, not, my eyes aren't going to work, but oh, it's don't still going. That. I, can still read my, <laughs> I can still read my phone. It's like, you know, pinch me, pinch me. Is this really working? Oh, I got to pinch myself. Am I dreaming? Oh no, I can actually see. I can actually read the f- telephone in small print. This is amazing. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. The small, the fine print is like great. When I watch the sports on my phone at the gym, I'm like, I can read the little tickers at the bottom of the phone. This is amazing. It's very funny.
2: Well, I'm very happy for you with that.
1: I am too. I hope it lasts a long time.
2: (laughs) Yes. So on that note.
1: On that note, yes.
2: Until next time, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell.
1: And I'm Collier Landry.
2: And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast.
1: We'll see you guys. See ya. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.